Good afternoon on a hot and muggy Thursday afternoon calling uh, coming to you from Tyler, Texas. This is Bill Allen. Glad to have you joining along with our Facebook studies. We have been looking at the armor of God, that great passage in Ephesians 6 verse 10 through 20 over the last several weeks on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And uh, we'll be looking at uh, 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 the armor that includes prayer, communicating with headquarters. Today, we began that uh, little discussion on Tuesday, and I'll do a brief review, and then we'll uh, talk about some powerful prayers that are offered up by powerful prayers. And so we'll say more about that in just a moment. Glad to have you joining in. Hello to my wonderful cousin, Gail. Glad to see you and Keith. I uh, love y'all so much and appreciate your support and others will be joining us along the way or looking, watching the uh, video a little bit later. Remember, you can see these on my Facebook page. Just scroll down if you miss one and you'll find it there. We also post them to our West Irwin Live and West Irwin Church of Christ Facebook pages. So you can see those out there after the fact and scroll down and see the previous ones. And you can also, of course, see them on our website, westirwin.com. And that's Irwin is spelled E-R-W-I-N, westirwin.com. Click on social media and resources, find the live streaming page, and then scroll down a little bit and you'll see a link to video archives. And that's where all of Bill's previous sermons and lessons, including uh, Facebook lessons and our uh, previous uh, sermons are found there. And you can uh, search for different series. You can search for AM or PM. And there's a lot of different things that you can find on our website, and uh, that is certainly uh, one of them. Appreciate everyone being a part of these studies. My dear friends, Cindy and Eric Mosley, joining us this afternoon live as well, and others, like I said, uh, will be doing that also. Um, next week, we'll finish up this study, but before we do, this week, we're looking at uh, communicating with headquarters. This is sort of a part two. Uh, we started this, as I said, on Tuesday. And uh, Paul, in that Armor of God passage in Ephesians 6, talks about prayer. And he talks about how important prayer is, and he calls on us, uh, his hearers and listeners, to pray for him. And uh, we'll talk about that in just a moment, but let's look at these three verses again. Ephesians 6, verses 18 through 20. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, Paul says, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Remember, he was in chains. He was uh, writing from prison, Ephesians, one of the prison epistles. Uh, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare that gospel fearlessly as I should. So we spoke a little bit on Tuesday about prayer in general and uh, mentioned a few things. The best time to pray always. Uh, who to pray for? Everyone. That's what Paul says here. Uh, pray always for everyone, all people, uh, certainly all who are striving to please God and further his kingdom. And uh, as I said last uh, a week, the best, or on Tuesday, the best reason to pray, and I've said this often, two simple words, Jesus pray. Sometimes early in the morning, sometimes late at night, sometimes all night long, he prayed to the Father. 
uh, prayed to the Father in Gethsemane the, the just hours before his death and taught us to pray in the same way in those great passages in Matthew 6 and Luke 11 where we find uh, the Lord's Prayer as we call it. It's amazing to me that the Son of God felt the need to pray and so Bill ought to as well and so should you. We all need to keep in communication with our Father and that's called prayer. He speaks to us through his word. Uh, we speak to him through our prayers. And what a great blessing it is to be able uh, to talk to our Father and talk to our Creator, uh, talk to our Savior. Uh, so Jesus prayed. And again, the best people to pray for and to pray with is everyone. Uh, I don't care who's praying for me. If they're praying for me, I think that's great. I would love uh, so many uh, to be prayerful for me and for my ministry and for my loved ones and family. And I know you feel uh, the exact same way. Uh, James says, if, is anybody in trouble in James 5? Let them pray. Let them call for the elders to come and to pray over them. We have a lot of people that do exactly that. Paul himself prayed for others. Uh, Lots of passages, Romans 1, 8 through 10, Ephesians 1, 15 through 23, and chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, two great prayers uh, found in the book of Ephesians, Philippians 1, 3 through 11, 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 through 3, constantly, it seems, Paul told people, hey, I'm praying for you. Prayer. And I believe the latter. Uh, Paul, his, his ministry, his apostleship, his uh, letters, uh, his care and compassion, his suffering, everything about his life after that road to Damascus confrontation with Jesus and then uh, his baptism into Jesus Christ by Ananias in the city. Uh, everything since then. Uh, and Paul was found to be praying about and and that's where he got his strength I've, I've said many times we hear about the power of prayer and I'm talking today about some powerful prayers and prayers but I can tell you I firmly believe and I know you do as well that the power of prayer is the power of our Lord God and it's the power of Jesus Christ and his blood and it's the power of the Holy Spirit who continues the presence of Christ with us today. That's certainly what Paul did uh, many times, including in the passage I just read here at the end, at the end of this passage uh, in Ephesians 6, 18 through 20. Uh, Paul requested them to pray for him, uh, pray for him. And I want us to look at that a little bit more closely today and, and consider exactly what that looks like. Uh, because Here's the thing. Paul does ask for them to pray for him, but what does he specifically say? Uh, he says in verse 19, Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. It's difficult for us to imagine, but it appears that even the Apostle Paul recognized the, the great temptation to give it up. You know, Jeremiah in Jeremiah 20, that's, that's that great passage where Jeremiah says, look, I, I keep preaching 
uh, this horrible message to people because that's what God has given me to preach. And basically the Babylonians were moving in on Jerusalem and it was about to all be destroyed and the people carried off into captivity. And that's what Jeremiah kept telling them. Look, you got people around you that are saying, hey, God's going to deliver us. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's not going to happen. God has said, I'm done with you guys and it's time for discipline and it's not going to be pretty. And Jeremiah says, you've got to give up. You've got to surrender to the Babylonians. You've got to submit to the will of God and his punishing rod and, um, and, and repent and, and ask him to, uh, to, to bless you through it all. Uh, well, that's not a popular message. It wouldn't be today. It certainly wasn't uh, then uh, at, at the beginning of the 6th century B.C. when Jeremiah was preaching it. And, uh, and so he said in Jeremiah 20, that's it. I am done. I am done with this. I am, I'm tired of people persecuting me. I'm tired of people not believing me. I'm tired of people rejecting my words. And, and I'm especially tired of, of this message making me suffer. I, I, I've, it's done nothing but hurt me physically and emotionally, he says, and I'm worn out, I'm finished. And he says, but when I tell myself that, um, when I say I quit, not going to preach it anymore, the word is in my heart like a burning fire, and I can't help but speak it. Well, that's, that's the message of God. Uh, for Jeremiah, he couldn't not proclaim it and that's what Paul prays about here and that's what he asks them to pray for Jeremiah knew how how uh, how strong that temptation to quit was Paul knew how strong that temptation to quit was because like Jeremiah the preaching of the word brought Paul nothing but trouble and persecution and difficulty great joy of course in proclaiming the word of God out of gratitude for his salvation through Jesus Christ no one was more grateful for that than the one who called himself the worst or chief of sinners, as Paul did in 1 Timothy 1, telling his story in an autobiographical passage that we'll be looking at this Sunday in our sermon time here, or actually not this Sunday, a week from Sunday in our sermon time as we focus on the Apostle Paul. Uh, but for Paul, he says, look, pray, pray that I won't give up. Pray that I won't quit. Pray that I won't get so afraid that I'll stop preaching. I think that's a good thing for all of us to pray, not just for our preachers and teachers, uh, but for all of us in a, in a world that seems to be more and more um, challenging uh, to people of faith. And, and, that, and that's where we are. And so we need to pray for each other that we will continue uh, to serve God and to proclaim his message fearlessly just as the Apostle Paul has said. So I want us for the rest of our time today to, to take a look at some, some powerful prayers, and maybe we won't turn to these individually, but I do wanna, want to mention them, and maybe we'll turn to one or two. Uh, but there are so many individuals in Scripture whose stories are very familiar to us that were powerful people of prayer, uh, and, and we see these. We see them in, in such a, a great, great way. Uh, we think of Elijah in James chapter 5, that passage where James, the half-brother of Jesus, says the, 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 effective, the uh, prayer of a faithful person is powerful and effective. Um, and, and in that passage, he's calling on us to pray, and he gives us an example 
just as he does in James 2, examples of people who demonstrated their faith by their works, by their deeds, by their faithful lives. He calls on um, Elijah as an example in James 5 of, of a man who was just as human as we are and yet had such a powerful prayer life that when he went to God and asked him to keep it from raining, he did uh, because of the, uh, the ones who had had it in for Elijah, uh, even his own king and queen. And then when it was time to, uh, uh, to, to, for the rain to fall again, he again prayed and God sent the rain in a very powerful way. And then, and then in the very next chapter, and all this is from 1 Kings 17 through 19, and in chapter 19, uh, Elijah, like Jeremiah, like Paul feared he would do, said, that's it, I'm through, I'm running, I'm, I'm out of here. Uh, Queen Jezebel is out to kill me, and, uh, and she's killed all the others, and so I'm the only one left, and I'm, I'm through with this. And, uh, and so God uh, comes to him, this powerful man of prayer. Uh, was in such a low point. I believe a situational depression, not a clinical one, but a situational depression. And in 1 Kings 19, what a great passage. God comes to him and he has him rest and he has him eat and he has him sleep and he has him exercise, he has him walk. And then he has him make a plan of uh, put this guy in power and this guy in power and this guy in power and and bring Elisha to come and take your place as, uh, as my prophet. And, uh, and he allows Elijah to be able to go on. Well, why is that? Well, because Elijah had such a great connection uh, with the Father, uh, just as James says. Another great... Samuel chapter 1, and it's the prayer of Hannah. This godly, godly woman who would go and, and who endured so much uh, from her rival, <laughs> from her family, and um, this woman uh, that had children, and she was so jealous of Hannah that she just uh, would not uh, let her uh, forget it. And, um, and then Hannah prays and prays and prays. And uh, Eli, the priest, sees her praying, and she's praying so powerfully and so uh, emotionally and uh, just everything she's got. He thinks she's drunk, and he uh, rebukes her, but she tells him, oh, no, no, no. Um, I, I have this heavy burden on my heart, and I was, I was praying about it. And, uh, and Eli says, well, then may the Lord grant what you had said. And she goes home and does get pregnant and has a our little Samuel who was just recently baptized. As you likely know, if you follow me on Facebook, you might have seen a picture or two of grandkids recently. Um, but in the same way, Hannah prayed and prayed and prayed, just like our daughter and all of us prayed and prayed and prayed. And uh, uh, we got our Samuel. And we've we got our Isaac and our LMA and our Will as well, and Hannah uh, got her Samuel, uh, and and gave him back to the Lord, and had other children as well. What a great great story of a powerful prayer, the faithful godly woman Hannah. In Jonah, uh, the book of Jonah, Jonah is sent and <laughs> takes a little detour through the belly of a fish, but ultimately. 
gets back on dry land and goes to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, the enemies of the Jews in the 8th century BC when Jonah lived and preached. And, um, and Jonah goes and tells him, hey, 40 days, and God says this city is going to be destroyed and everything in it. Well, the people of Assyria uh, in Nineveh, the capital, repent and they pray and they and the king uh, from the king to the lowest pauper the king says look who knows but maybe if we humble ourselves before the lord he'll be merciful to us and sure enough he was uh, sure enough he gave them um, an opportunity uh, to live uh, under that repentance and um, uh, didn't sit too well with jonah to see his enemies be forgiven um, but that's a whole nother story i love uh, John Willis, great Old Testament scholar and professor at Abilene Christian University for years and years. I love his chapter on Jonah. He says, God and the typical Israelite. <laughs> I think that's true. And of course, applying it to us today, God and the typical Christian. Um, is, is that the way we are? Do we, do we want God to punish our enemies to such an extent that when he blesses them and shows them mercy, as Jesus says God is prone to do in the Sermon on the Mount, um, how do we feel about that? Jesus says we should love our enemies and be kind to those who are our enemies because that's, that's how God treats his enemies as well. It's how he's treated us. Um, uh, another one or two, Moses prays in Exodus 32. You remember that great prayer when God says, uh, look, your people down there, they built a golden calf. They're falling down and worshiping creature rather than creator. Just as, just as surely as I'm giving you the law that forbids that and that they should know better. And after everything I've done for them, God says, look, just forget them. Just forget them. Just let me make a new people from you that will serve me. And and that's when uh, Moses offers up this great prayer. And he says, look, Lord, uh, these people have sinned a great sin, but I, I pray for them that you would repent. And if, if you can't forgive Moses, known as the great lawgiver, uh, offers and should also be known as the great prayer warrior. Of course, another Old Testament prayer, intercessory prayer, is in Genesis 18 uh, that doesn't have a successful ending. But when God tells Abraham, his friend, that he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham uh, prays and prays that God would be merciful. And he, he keeps calling on God, look, if there's just 50 righteous, will you save them? Uh, sure. If there's just 40 righteous, will you save them? 30. And on down, if there's just 10 righteous people, wouldn't it be worthwhile as a merciful God that you are to save the city because of the 10 righteous and, and not the, the numbers and numbers of unrighteous? And God says, sure, if you can find me 10 righteous people, I'll do it, Abraham, for you. What a powerful prayer. Unfortunately, there weren't 10 righteous people in all of Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, and that's a tragic, tragic thing to, to say. Um, but God was ready. He had heard Abraham's prayers, and he answered them, yes, he would be willing to save the city because of his friend Abraham. Abraham, a powerful, powerful uh, prayer. Another powerful prayer, of course, is King David, who sinned the great sin with Bathsheba and then tried to cover it up by murder, having Uriah murdered, basically being the one who gave the, the command through his order 
to put Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, on the front lines. And then when the battle is the thickest, he told Joab, the commander, have, have everybody else pull back and, um, and cut him off. And that's a horrible, horrible thing. Everything about that is horrible. Um, but after Nathan the prophet confronts King David, to his credit, King David pours his heart out in one of the most powerful prayers found in Scripture, one of the most heart-wrenching uh, prayers found in Scripture, and it's in Psalm 51 when, when David repents and, and pleads with God not to take his Holy Spirit from him, to create in me a clean heart, he says, wash me and I will be whiter than snow uh, instead of filthy red because of all of this uh, sin and blood that I have shed. Um, it's a powerful prayer. And then in chapter 32, he again offers up a prayer of praise to God who has given him that forgiveness and he calls on others uh, to join him in that. Uh, a wonderful, incredible message. But then there's another powerful prayer and I've spoken about this one before. And in a sense, it's very similar to what Paul asked the Ephesian Christians to pray for when he's talking about himself. And it's found at the end of Acts chapter 4. Uh, in Acts 3 and 4, we find the church being threatened for the very first time. And then in chapter 5, the apostles are persecuted, flogged, and beaten uh, for the first time. But they're threatened. As Peter and John have healed this man uh, at the temple entrance, and uh, the people rejoiced over it, and the Jewish leaders, just as they were threatened with Christ, they were threatened with these disciples of Jesus. So they call Peter and John in, and they, they threaten them, and they say, don't speak any more in this name. And they say, look, we, we can't do anything but speak in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then they go back to the church. And, um, and this is what the church prays after Peter and John are released. Verse 24, when the church heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. Acts 4, verse 24. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant David, our father, who I do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain. The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one or Messiah. In David's case, prophetic of Jesus, also uh, speaking about the king. Verse 27 of Acts 4. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. And I love this prayer for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons is, is because it acknowledges that the difficulty. These were the people who had crucified Jesus, and now they have threatened the apostles and there's no doubt, none whatsoever, that they could, they could come through on, on their threats. And, and praying doesn't deny the difficulties. It actually affirms it. And that's one of the reasons why we pray. Uh, but this wonderful, incredible prayer doesn't stop there. It continues on in Acts 4, verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Maybe this wasn't the whole prayer. It probably wasn't. There were probably a lot of other praying, a lot of praying going on.
But this is what Luke records. This is what the Holy Spirit told us to record. And it's interesting that he doesn't say anything about keep us safe from harm. Although I think that's okay to pray and we do that and they likely did too. But Luke doesn't record it. What he does record is them praying for boldness. Don't let us give in to the threats. Just as Jeremiah feared, just as Paul the Apostle feared, they fear the same thing. Don't let us give in to their threats but enable us to speak your word boldly and to do the things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, that you want us to do. It's just an incredible prayer. And from there they go on and they do that exact thing and then they begin to be persecuted for it. And ultimately in Acts chapter 12, the first of the apostles is killed, um, James, the brother of John. But that's only after the first Christian martyr is recorded, after Stephen's great sermon. Uh, in Acts chapter 7, uh, he is put to death and Saul is there giving ap approval to those who were doing that and watching their garments so that they could be free to throw rocks and kill this innocent man. Um, it, it's just amazing, amazing. And yet their prayers uh, were so powerful that God heard and God answered and God blessed and he enabled them to do exactly what they prayed to do speak the word of God fearlessly, boldly. Um, one more uh, uh, faithful prayer before we close out uh, this lesson today, and that's King Hezekiah in the Old Testament. I love his story in Isaiah 37 and 38. Uh, the king of Israel, the uh, or the king of Judah, the southern kingdom in Jerusalem at a time when the Assyrians had, had destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel, their brothers, and uh, now he was threatening Jerusalem and the southern kingdom. And uh, as, they're, as they're being threatened, uh, the king receives a letter from one of the officers of the king. And, uh, and it says, look, your God is not going to deliver you any more than anybody else's. God has delivered them. So you might as well surrender. And Hezekiah does a great thing in Isaiah 37. He, he takes it to the to the temple and he spreads out that letter before the Lord. I just love that so much. That's what we do with our troubles, with our difficulties, with our fears, with our doubts, with our questions. Uh, we, we, we don't try to hide them. God knows them before we even realize uh, that they've come into our mind and into our heart. And so we take them to him. We take them to his throne and we do exactly what King Hezekiah did. We lay it out before the Lord. It's exactly what that church at Jerusalem did. They just went to God and said, here's what they're saying. We know they're capable of doing it, but we also know that you're more powerful. And so we ask you to, uh, to deliver us so that we can speak your word boldly. Uh, sure enough, God heard Hezekiah's prayer and delivered the southern kingdom of Judah because of, of this faithful king being urged on uh, by the faithful prophet Isaiah and others. Um, and, and then in the very next chapter, in chapter 38, God tells Isaiah, hey, I got a message for King Hezekiah. Go and tell him, put your house in order. Yes, you've heard that statement before. It's found in Isaiah 38. Tell Hezekiah, put your house in order because this illness that you've got, you're not going to recover. Uh, you're, you're going to succumb to it and you will die. And Isaiah does exactly that. He goes to the king and he tells him, put your house in order because you will die. You will not recover. And then he turns around and leaves at the presence of the king. And as soon as he's out, Hezekiah does a flip. He turns, not a flip, but he turns around and faces the wall. He was his, and, and knelt down and prayed 
that God would have mercy and deliver him. What do you do when you're up against the wall? You're back against the wall. Well, you turn around and you face the wall. And before Isaiah is completely out of the temple area, uh, God calls him again and says, Oop, take a turn around, bud. I want you to go back. I've got another message for King Hezekiah. Tell him I've heard your prayers and I've seen your heart and I will give, I will add more years to your life. You will actually recover from this after all. It's an incredible thing. Powerful, powerful prayers are offered by powerful, powerful prayers. Uh, Hezekiah was one, Hannah was one, uh, the first century Christians uh, offered up these powerful prayers that God would, would hear and answer them, and we can too. Just like James says, Elijah, Hezekiah, Hannah, Paul, all of them, the church at Jerusalem, they weren't any different than we are. They're just as human, just as afraid, just as vulnerable, but they prayed, and we can too. And God blessed them, and he'll bless us too. But we pray for the same things that they prayed for. We pray for the same thing that Paul in Ephesians 6 in the armor of God passage prays for. Pray that I might declare the word of God fearlessly, boldly, faithfully. Let's remember that a part of that armor of God is communicating with headquarters. Our headquarters is the very throne room of God. Uh, our commander in chief is the Lord God himself. And he's there ready to give us the power and supplies and, and everything we need to faithfully win the battle that we're facing. I hope and I pray that you will pray for me. And I hope and I pray that you will be a person who is a powerful, powerful prayer. Amen.